Hello, hello, listeners to the Third Way podcast. I continue to be fascinated by the people I meet along the way. And um, I also love the fact that when I meet uh, a, a, a sort of the modern version of a power couple. And so um, I had I made a new connection with someone that actually is on the podcast as well, Malia Dunn. And she was like, you got to meet my partner. And Jason and I had an awesome conversation about comedy and and mental health and a bunch of other things. And I was like, man, I got to have this dude on the podcast because it's kind of the, you know, if I have a, I have many causes, I probably have too many causes, but a big one is men's mental health. And I had this observation the other day is like, how many shitty decisions are made by men in power that have mental health issues? Um, and how much damage have they, have they done because of that? Um, and so uh, I'm pleased to introduce to the podcast, Jason Kyle. Jason is the head of creative for the mental app, which I will um, link to in the show notes and is a writer comedian. Welcome, Jason. What's up, dude? Dude, thanks for having me. First You're off, I love, I love that intro. You were like, yeah, how many, how many men in power fuck things up because of their mental health? So let me introduce you to one, Jason Kyle. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think it's funny though to set it up because we're going to talk about men's mental health and it's all serious and everything. But uh, humor is good for mental health. Totally. Tell tell the world how you got the gig at Mental as the head of creative because it's an awesome story. Oh, dude, a lot of pain, a lot of pain and tragedy from my own life. Uh, no, dude, I was kidding about the intro. That that's a great intro, dude. And I, I have so much respect for you and what you do, man. Thank you for putting all this. Uh, Great work out into the world, brother. We need a lot more of it. So thank you for doing that. Um, yeah, man, what a wild ride, dude. What a wild journey that has gotten me here. And I use that, I, I don't use that word journey <laughs> lightly or just sort of like as people tend to use it now, they just kind of throw that around. Like, I love this journey for you. I once brought a pineapple to a party for a joke and they're like, I love this journey for you. I'm like, what the fuck does, is that? <laughs> uh, but for me, it, it, this this journey for me really has been a journey and that's what life is dude all of these bumps and and challenges along the way but you know for me and and I'll give you the abridged version but you know for me I grew up <clears throat> very volatile household uh violence and chaos was 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 just a daily occurrence for me and it, it kind of manifested into anxiety disorder uh OCD ADHD depression all the Ds you know yeah. uh which which then led me to uh, bottling it up and keeping it in because I also grew up in, in a more urban inner city environment where dudes were tough. You know, talk about that shit. Uh, it was sports and trying to get girls and like being cool. And, and, and that was it. Right. So, uh, and then as I got a little bit older in my twenties, you know, I dabbled in medication. I knew there were some issues here and tried different meds. I tried all of them, uh, tried different therapies. Some, some worked really well. Some did not resonate at all. Uh, and around that time I was working a corporate gig and, I had just gotten back from the Peace Corps where I met Malia and I was working this, I was working for a big management consulting firm on paper, Justin. It's a job that many people would love to have. And on day two, I was so miserable on day two of this job that I Googled how to be a stand-up comedian. Uh and the advice was essentially, I don't know, just go do it, like find it, find a microphone and maybe one person that'll listen. So, um, because I always had this desire to really do this, but like, I was sort of conditioned out of fear to like, just go the safe route, but I was so miserable and unhappy that I, I had to do this. And what really prompted that Justin was my time in the Peace Corps in Albania, where I saw the lack of opportunities 
for creative folks like ourselves who have a voice and something to say, who wanted to do stand up, mm -hmm. who wanted to be an actor, who wanted to direct a play, and the lack of opportunity there. But then coming back to the US and working a job where I was miserable, but we have all the opportunity in the world here. Doesn't mean it's easy, but we have the opportunities to pursue them. So that was really the beginning of my journey. And then I'll cut to many years of some more pain and, and tears and being broke. And then I get a call last August uh, from a friend of mine saying, hey, have you heard of the call map? I said, yeah. He said, they're looking for like a writer that uses humor. I said, tell me more. Um, and then he, he said, it's specifically for a men's mental health company. I said, tell me even more. And it was a buddy of mine who I started doing stand-up comedy with in dingy little basement comedy clubs and dingy bars in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And we made that connection back then, which transformed into what I have right now, which is a career. I don't even call it a job. It's, it's, it's purpose for me right now. So I'm just yeah. with all those bumps along the way, Justin, I'm just grateful for that journey, brother. What an amazing thing though. And very few people get to do this where your gifts of writing humor, um, it's being applied to a, a, a cause of mental health, men's mental health. And I think that's, I think that's, it gives me the, gives me the tingles. It's such a, cause it's so rare, you know? Um, yeah. And um, especially with, especially with the ability to blend the two. I, 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 I learned the other day that the number one selling corporate artist like the singer that goes and plays the most corporate gigs and he makes millions of dollars a year is doing it. He doesn't tour anymore. Do you know who it is by chance? Is it, you said artist, what, comedian or, or is it, or is it a musician? A singer, a singer, a musician. Oh yeah. gosh. I, oh, I so don't you think know, about but the, if you tell me, think, it would make sense. Yeah. You think about the corporate, a corporate gig is like multi-generational. You have to know his songs, but be able to dance to them. Yeah you know, enough or, and, and so anyway, it's, uh, Kenny Loggins. Okay. And, and so I, I know the name, I'm not that familiar it, with his music, Dang, but if, if Danger I heard Zone a song, is, yeah, Danger okay, Zone there you go. from Top Gun is his, his most famous. <laughs> oh song. yes, 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 yes. And, that I know. And Footloose, that's Kenny Loggins. So, you nice. know, that opening riff of either of those songs, the crowd's like, yeah. So I, I use that as kind of a, a, a framework here. The work that you're doing with mental is, you are finding this, you, you're tapping into a, you know, now classic business model of developing a, a freemium app. Um, but you, the way that you're doing it, and I've loved looking at what you're doing through a brand perspective and could nerd out over that, but let's talk about mental health. Yeah. It's mental health. And you touched a little bit on, on, uh, on it already, but how would you describe your mental health journey? Yeah. And, and in particular, this, this wasn't in the questions I sent you, but it's kind of a subset to that. What are some before and after moments for you in your mental health journey? Yeah, I love that. I love that framing around before and after, right? Because it's, we can always say, oh, I did this. Okay, but like, what was the result? Or it was like, oh, now I'm this. It's like, okay, but what was the journey sort of leading up to that? Um, <clears throat> so I'll, I'll tackle the first one first, which is around kind of like a, a little bit more. And I touched on a little bit, which yeah. is my path to how I got to mental. But, um, you know, for me, uh, anxiety was, was a huge thing. And, and more specifically with anxiety around future tripping, worrying about results, fear of the results. Now, as a creative type, it's debilitating 
it's crippling because what we do is we then try to control it and force it to be perfect. And I've had issues with perfectionism. Now, when we force it to be perfect, there is no such thing. I have this new saying now, it's where everything is already perfect, right? Mm -hmm. I am imperfect. My work will be imperfect, but that is all already perfect. So now go make it better, right? So for me, if I was waiting for perfectionism, so that's a little bit of the before and after. If I was waiting for perfectionism, it wasn't coming because it just doesn't exist. So then I would procrastinate. And with the procrastination led to the rumination in my head of I'm not good enough. I'm stupid. Why, why am I not better at this? Why can't I just get started? And then the procrastination, I call this the three P's, the Permuta triangle, right? Perfectionism, procrastination, which led to paralysis where I couldn't do anything, which led mm -hmm. to more anxiety, more rumination. And it was just that vicious triangle. So that was really my life before. And I would just try to push through it. Mm -hmm. Now, what I have through the help of a number of different tools, which we can dive into and talk about is the ability to regulate my mental clarity and mindset through self-talk. Yeah. And I will, and I'm, I'm sure you practice this and you've heard this quite a bit, right? But the way I talk to myself is not, you know, one of the ways I've heard it framed is how would you talk to a five-year-old kid? Right. Then how would you talk to your five-year-old kid? You know, right. other ways that I think about it is let me have a conversation with that piece inside of me that is desperate for perfection. That is, that is, and then is procrastinating. Let me just have a dialogue with those dudes and be like, let's talk about what's going on here. And that takes the power away because these coping mechanisms are with us for a reason. But if I can remove the power from that and know that the power is in here and the power is in here, I know this is audio, so I'm pointing to my mind and I'm pointing to my heart <laughs> and talking to myself and knowing that I have the strength to do that. That's what we're trying to do. I'll break, you know, I know this isn't a plug for the app, but that's what we're trying to do with mental and help men understand, right? Yeah. Strength in the mindset to know that the power is within and how we talk to ourselves to know and understand that can help remove the power from all of those other things that we suffer with, that we ruminate on, um, the perfectionism, the procrastination, the anxiety, all of those things. So um, that's a little bit about sort of uh, more specifically around some before and after stuff. But dude, I went from, you know, I told you, I tried all the medications, none of them worked. I tried therapy. Um, I've had a couple therapists who have completely changed my life for the better. And I have a couple therapists that I, they shouldn't be in the profession. Mm. And I, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead. We'll talk. I have, I have strong thoughts and feelings around therapy. We'll get into that a little bit later. But um, I also wanted to be known. I am not at all anti-therapy, right. like completely pro-therapy, with the right fit. Yes. And the tricky part of that is we're always forced onto therapy. All men in therapy. All men should go to therapy. Otherwise, X, Y, Z. But like, we got to find the right fit. We got to find the right balance. We have to find the right things that work for us to meet us where we are at in that moment. Yeah. So the mix of medication, the mix of therapy, those things weren't really the right sort of cocktail for me. Um, mm -hmm. But then it started to get into more things around strengthening my mindset, my inner dialogue, strengthening mm -hmm. the community and the support that I have around me changing diet, heavy now into plant-based medicine, which is, mm -hmm. which has really changed my life. So it, it's kind of like 
you know, and seeing a naturopath doctor and, and getting the right vitamins and supplements, all of those things that help me avoid medication that I don't want to be taking all of those things that help holistically the whole entirety of Jason help build my mindset and, and are good for my mental health. Not just one thing. Yeah. Wow. I do have a, I'll answer it, but I have a funny story about a therapist that a friend of mine told that he was going to therapy and then a, and it was going okay. But then he, he sends me, my friend sends me a screenshot. Mm. It's like a, it's like a, it's a, it's a screenshot from truth social with this super MAGA bullshit thing, you know, like mm -hmm. that, you know, that mm -hmm. and, and he says, what do you do when you find out your therapist is on truth social? <laughs> oh that boy. So funny. So he is no longer with that therapist, but uh, anyway, <laughs> do, 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 do you do curb your enthusiasm before you answer? Do you ever watch that show? I, I have watched it. Yeah. I, I think one of the earlier seasons, Larry David is seeing a doctor or a therapist yeah. that he then sees at the beach and the therapist is where this is very different, but the therapist is wearing a thong, nothing right. against dudes who want to wear thong speedos, by the way. But it was so funny. He saw him. He's like, I don't mind. I can't see, I can't get advice from this guy now. <laughs> I can't remember that. So anyway, um, my, uh, my mental health journey is, is, is three parts. Um, and so the over where the, where there's this overlap, like sort of classic Venn diagram first is I'm, I'm a highly sensitive person, an HSP, and you can go online and I'll link to actually an HSP assessment that people can take. If you're wondering, it's like being an emotional or sensorial super taster. Mm. I feel everything very deeply. I read people's energy. So there's that. The second thing was, is I grew up in a very violent, chaotic home life and school got my ass kicked at home my ass just kicked at school from three years old to until I stood up for myself at home and at school and um and that led to complex PTSD mm. and then um I also have uh ADHD and I was not diagnosed until a couple of years ago but you go back and you're like oh that's why I did certain things so you combine those three things my whole existence was about managing rejection. Mm. Um, and there's actually a, uh, um, a mental health um, thing I've written about at length called RSD, rejection sensitivity dysphoria. And it's most common with people that are complex PTSD survivors and um, ADHD, and just about guaranteed if you also are an HSP. So what that meant for me from a mental health standpoint is also I grew up on a ranch um, I grew up around kind of the concept of manly men. And, you know, there's only two acceptable emotions, which are anger and laughter. Mm. Uh, and, um, you know, my models were Clint Eastwood, you know, um, the, un, you know, on a, a fistful of dollars or John yeah. Wayne. The Cowboys. Uh, yep. That's so funny. Yeah. You say that, dude, we use those references too, when we're talking about those yeah. old school uh, yeah. archetypes for masculinity. Yeah. And, and George Patton, I was a huge, I am a huge history nerd. So George Patton, um, and, uh, Custer and people like that, you know, that I've read about these, how these men behave because I didn't have an example. I had, I had a father at home, but he was, he was not an example of what I wanted to be. And, um, but I was, I, my, I, I didn't suffer from depression. I mean, from anxiety, I suffered from depression. And I thought it was because I was also raised in a fundamentalist Christian uh, sect, like basically a cult. And so that is what I call the piece of shit doctrine. So whatever you feel that's negative means that you have displeased God or you don't pray enough. 
so you get all that. And I got married when I was 18. And I don't, I don't regret that. Um, Lynn and I uh, separated and divorced a number of years ago now, or several years ago now. And she's one of my best friends. However, um, she was marrying a very emotionally damaged person, kid. 18. What do we know at 18? I just knew though that here's what I knew at that. And this was true until 2016, that she wasn't going to hurt me. Mm. She wasn't going to hurt me. And and Mm. then she did not intentionally hurt me. She, she came out um, and that ended the, the, the relationship. So uh, the marriage. Um, so anyway, um, so I was deeply immersed in, in, in identity. And so my mental health was, I didn't even think about it. Cause I was like, well, that was the past and I'm doing this now. And, and then, you know, then Logan was born and then Caden, and I started a business and on and on and on. And, but I started to break down mentally again in 2010 to the point at the end of 2010, I had a full mental breakdown. And it was, it was after that, that I decided to go to therapy the first Mm -hmm. time. And I remember again, the before and after moment is the therapist first time ever been to therapy, didn't know what was going to happen sitting on the couch, you know, do I lay down, you know, it's like very, like so many opportunities for comedy, but also scary as fuck, you know, Mm -hmm. like to sit down with a stranger and tell her what I was right. experiencing and, and, and be vulnerable and trust this person with what right. you're about to tell them. Right. And I'm tell, I was telling her about, you know, I didn't have any archetypes of male, male men in my life that I, other than my grandfather, who was very kind of distant, emotionally unavailable, blah, blah, blah. And I was telling her about the abuse at home. Mm-hmm. And she says, it's, do you know, it's not your fault. Um, it wasn't because of you. And I went, what? It wasn't because I thought there was something I thought was because that's what I was told what's wrong with you? Mm. It was directed to me. And they said, no, the, the person that inflicted the uh, physical abuse in this case, an emotional abuse, it was something wrong with them. And that was a liberating moment. It was the first time I was like, oh, and then I got into hypnotherapy and that mm. really helped with stuff. I started looking at the nervous system. And then this is the next thing I had my first spiritual awakening in 2014. And then mm. I got anxiety. Mm. I didn't mm. have it before. I had insecurity and I had, you know, I was aggressive. I was kind of a, I was a bullshitter. I was, you know, just a scrapper. I, mm. and um, so that culminated in kind of another before and after is when I discovered the modality of internal family systems, IFS. Mm. Yeah. Our protectors, and, these protectors yeah, were the holding protectors, on to us. Your yep. Firefighters, managers, and exilers yep. deep, yep. deeply in, deep dive into that. I've been working with my therapist in that realm for, I think I've been with Adrian for four years now. Nice. Um, and she was the one that diagnosed me with ADHD and talked about how the part, my parts influenced that. And, and so it was, she was the one that gave me the framework nice. like you talked about to understand my own mind. That's awesome, dude. Um, and then the, the last before and after of mental health has been very recent actually, because I, I, I still deal with, I have dealt, and I still have a little bit of it now and again, anxious attachment, but it's mm. aggressive, anxious attachment. So when I mm. get, I feel unsafe, I get aggressive. Mm. I, don't, I don't, I don't get passive. I get aggressive and that's not good. That's not good in a relationship. It's not good. And, you know, I, I, I know I harmed other relationships. I know that my, my, my inability to regulate um, that fear uh, hurt Virginia um, in the process. And, but I, I was a friend of mine who's been on this podcast, I think, but a dear friend of mine, Rusty Tender, told me about a book called The Presence Process. 
mm. by Michael Brown. And that was a before and after. Mm. When I, I read the book and I've been doing it now every day, and it's this very simple 15 minute pro meditation kind of mo process. And I'll link to it in the show notes. People can go buy it. I highly recommend it. But I, so here I'm at today. I don't, I sometimes get anxious, but I know it's usually biological. It's usually I'm out mm. of dopamine. Mm. Yep. I, I, you know, um, I need, I need rest or I need, yeah. you know, to stay away from, you know, bread or I don't have enough zinc or magnesium in me. So I take the supplement. I do take Wellbutrin to help with impulsivity. Mm -hmm. um, I got a meeting with my PA next week to talk maybe about Adderall because I've been dealing mm. with some executive uh, function shutdowns, like more mm. severe and I'm, yeah. I need shit done. Um, anyway, but it, it was that trauma integration combined with getting to know my mind combined with letting my soul lead that led me to where I'm at now, which is I'm present in my own life, fully present in my own life. I still get the zoomies, you know, related to the future the past, mm. and I can get fixated on something, but mm. the recovery time between being triggered for lack of a better term to like, no, to the self-talk that's the, mm. the time between triggered to self-talk is seconds now not yeah. days. Right. And that's, that's great. Progress. Dude, I, I I've heard so many great things. I mean, one, I just want to say thank you for sharing all of that with me. Like I really appreciate yeah, it and sharing yeah. it with, with our yeah. listeners. Right. I forget that people are going to listen to this. I'm thinking it's just, yeah, yeah it's no, just a combo. You and I, yes. <laughs> uh, I'm like, Oh shit, this is being recorded. I better watch what I say. Yeah. Uh, no, dude, thank you for, yeah. <laughs> thank you for being real and sharing all that with me. And I think, you know, being open about all of this stuff, uh, is what removes it. I'll, you know, I'll use this word stigma and helps normalize all of this shit for dudes. Um, yeah, I had my own journey with Adderall. Like I'm trying not to get back on it. And that's why the naturopath and all of these other things uh, are trying to chip at it, chip away at it in a, in a number of different ways. But also if it's something I need to do again down the line, I'm not going to shame myself for that shit. It's totally fine. It's probably in my yeah. best interest. One other thing I want to say is, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I interrupted ADHD thing. <laughs> One of the, I do it. Same. Trust me. That's why I'm like, rather, you know, rather than ask you a follow-up question, let me just, I'll take a note. And also, you know what I could do today? I can listen. <laughs> that's a dude. That's a big before and after for me. No joke is like holding space for others and listening. And that's when I get a chance to learn and really engage with people, not with right. me just constantly going like this. It's the listening to others is where the true engagement is. The other thing I want to say on this topic, dude, is before and after is this word intention. Yeah. And I'll mention it specifically around my comedy. And back when I wanted to do stand up comedy, it was on the outside. It was, I get to, you know, make people laugh on the inside, Justin, right. It was a severe insecurity yeah. driven by this desperate need for attention to be heard yeah. because I didn't yeah. have it in my house growing up and I had so much to do and say, and I was like this really active, playful kid and I didn't have it. Yes. My intentions were I just need to get attention. I just need to get attention. I need, I need blah, blah, blah. Right. Which is such a slippery slope, which is why we see so, so many comedians, you know, suffer from substance abuse or a lot of comedians from back in the day who perished because yeah. of it. Right. Now with a lot of work and a lot of discomfort and a lot of challenges and a lot of bumps along the way, my intention, and I've struggled with this for years now, but my intention now is to genuinely make people feel good, but to also serve as young Jason 
who's mm-hmm. so fun and so playful right. and has that desire to play and to really just serve as myself in the world with all with this with this skill that yes. I've been given. That's my intention now. Yes. Same thing here is it's it's the relationship between my my so you so for people that you know there's this whole kind of theory that when especially if you're a trauma survivor, a childhood trauma survivor, your mind produces kind of a hologram that protects you. Um, and that's the adult that many of us become. And it's um, it's not really us, um, but you get a little power or a little money. That's you. Um, and um, and so the first step for me, especially with the presence process, was to reparent that inner mm-hmm. child. Yeah, um, because that was what was affecting the anxious attachment. It was that that need for uh, uh, affirmation and acceptance and and you know, don't hurt me. Don't leave me. You know, that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And what, but what's that, what I, the way I did that is I basically killed the hologram and I, so now there's the inner child and the mature adult, mm-hmm. the one that's responsible for his thoughts and feelings and mm-hmm. doesn't project them on other people and doesn't have outlandish expectations of others. And that's all fairly new really in the mm-hmm. last six to eight months for me, as I've continued to grow. Yeah. What also struck me too, is I, I, I listened to uh uh, Theo Vaughn talking with John Mullaney um, mm. about Mullaney's. Damn, just- I got it. That just sounds like a great episode. I haven't seen that one. I got to listen to that one. It's so good. But they talk in there. Both of them are in recovery, um, after recovery. And, you know, we know maybe people don't know Mullaney had a massive relapse and and then was in his whole standup is about going back into therapy, going back into rehab mm-hmm. anyway. But they were talking and and they they found this moment, and you can you'll hear it on the show where there's like this pause where they realized why they were the way they were, and mm-hmm. I wanted I was yelling at the my my car you know my whatever I was listening to it on like no you have ADHD you dummies, but they were like I was afraid of being bored, I was mm-hmm. terrified of being bored, mm-hmm. and I look back and I used to think that what I needed was the approval of an audience, so I was a public speaker and I still do public. Mm-hmm. I do have a fucking podcast, you know, so it's, mm-hmm. but I don't, I'm not doing it now um, on the, I'm not doing it. I, I don't, I, in hindsight, I was doing it because not because I needed the affirmation of the mm-hmm. audience is that I needed the risk. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I still do this today. I, I, I had a, a, a four hour workshop I had to deliver to a, a bunch of leaders Mm-hmm. And I was like, it was the same thing I delivered to a, the same company last year, but I was like, ah, I don't want to, I don't want to do the same thing. So that morning I rewrote the entire thing and mm-hmm. it, it crushed it. Mm-hmm. And I realized in that moment, it's like, oh, I've always done this because I like the risk, not because I like the, that, yeah, that little bit of that little bit of pressure, right? Like when the yeah. pressure's on, how can I perform when the pressure's on? Right. And I think because you have the ADHD and the complex PTSD, both of us in this case, um, that there's an p- element of speaking that sort of is soothing because you're in control and people are clapping or whatever, especially if you're making them laugh. Um, but I realized that actually it was more the dopamine hit that I was getting. Right. And, you know, that was like standing on a stage. Yep. Um, and so anyway. The dopamine is critical, dude. Like the dopamine is critical for me. Like in the past month, I've eliminated, I, I would, do, I would, alcohol was very rare for me. Um, but I, that's completely gone. THC was also once in a blue, that's completely gone. But what else is completely gone is sugar and caffeine. Yeah. And I was using those for dopamine hits, dopamine fixes, 
And now I'm able to kind of reset that and use some of my creative work as like my, my new reward system, right? As opposed to, well, I'm bored or I'm procrastinating. I can't do this. Let me just go to Dunkin' and get a donut and a coffee and sit down and then see if I can write. It's like, it, it was a fucked up dopamine system, right? Yeah, I told, and and I, I've eliminated dairy, um, mm. which actually has helped with ADHD because inflammation. Um, I, I regulate. I joke, my one. I'm I'm more actually working on a four minute open mic set. Uh, mm. I want to try it because of the risk. Um, <laughs> and what, one of the lines is, I've never done heroin, but I've done bread. You know, like that nice. sense of that, that <laughs> rush and, mm, but and. <laughs> Uh, cannabis and I, um, what's you know, that relationship like? What, 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 yeah. What's that one like? Well, it was very new to me. I mean, I, I tried marijuana the first time in 2018, I think, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, and it just, you know, and then I tried, I, I tried it again a few times, um, mm. in the last couple of years. And it's all about dosage for me. I'm very sensitive. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm a big guy, I'm a six, three two, 240 mm-hmm. drink, like one drink for the entire evening and that's enough and it was yeah. the same similar thing like a couple of gentle puffs and it chills me out but mm. if i do the third puff the f- walls are melting and i can't walk anymore yeah um, and yeah. which is common i know with adhd people and cannabis too some people i know that have adhd they really get benefit from cannabis i don't yeah. um yeah. but uh yeah so well Dude, there, can 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 i can i mention one more thing of course yeah you and you, you sparked this for me, uh, which is why I love conversations like this. Cause I was, I'm listening to what you're saying. It kind of sparked something else for me. And I was like, oh yeah, maybe this can, sure. this can highlight some things for folks, but you had mentioned, you know, the, the, the young child, Justin and the adult, Justin yeah. and, and, and how sometimes I describe a little bit of my journey, particularly around my childhood upbringing and mental health space is for a very long time. My angry teenager was driving the car. Mm. And the front seat was my wounded kid. Mm. And the back seat was the adult just hanging out with the fucking window down. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Once I started to really do the work and strengthen my mind and my heart and all of these things, the adult took over driving the car. Yeah. The kid was strapped in, in the back and I turned around and I said, dude, I got your back. Yeah. And I let the, and I let the angry teenager pick the beats. You know what I mean? So that's what my car looks like right now. Yeah. That's interesting because I had that, I had the adult Justin, because I had to become an, I mean, at 18, you know, I'm married, you know, I'm trying to make a living and became Mm -hmm. a dad 22. That's what I call the hologram. So that was adult Mm -hmm. Justin. He was my protector and he was Mm -hmm. a protector by being, by being aggressive and a risk taker and speaking his mind and all the things that I admired in a man that I didn't Mm -hmm. really know was me. But he sucked at taking care of the inner child. You know, he his I don't I use this word gently because I think it's a misogynistic term. But mm. that 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 adult Justin was the one that would call me a fucking pussy. Right. In, in, in my head. Right. And I realized in the last four or five years that I've had to get rid of him. Right. That he wasn't real. And that there's a real mature Justin that is underneath that, that is that can nurture the inner child mm. much better. And 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 now I picture that inner child um, where he'd been hiding in a closet for years. Now he just plays and he's safe. And I watch 
I remember my sons as little boys and I've seen my, my stepson, Andre, they're safe. They don't, they're safe. They know what it's like to feel safe. I didn't know that feeling. Right. So, yeah. So yeah. Thanks uh, for sharing that dude. Yeah. You're welcome. So let's, let's get into the next question here. So, and just like a rapid fire on, on this too, because I think we could talk about just this question for hours. For sure. What are some common biases you see in men about mental health? Yeah. So in the work you're doing, you know, you're doing your market research and everything, plus just in your circle of friends, what are some common biases that you see now this in 2023? I think the fact that it's all negative, meaning mental health is bad. If I say you need to work on your mental health, you are bad. Something is wrong. Something is broken. You yes. need to do this as yes. opposed to and I think about it in three zones. And I know this is rapid fire, so I'll do this really quick. I think about it in three zones. There's zone one where it's the danger zone. Mm-hmm. Suicidal, suicidal ideations, severe anxiety disorders, severe depression. You need medication. You need help ASAP. That's the danger it, zone. It goes in there too. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Then you have the third zone, which is you're thriving. This mm-hmm. is your full potential. This is what you were built and designed to do. The middle zone is where we find most men. If I say, hey, Justin, how are you doing? You say, I'm okay, right? It's that middle zone of okay. How do we get men from okay to thriving and then keep them thriving? Right. As opposed to everyone thinks mental health is, you're in that zone one, it's danger zone. You have all of these severe things that need help. It's instead, we can be proactive and strengthen our mind and build our mental health as opposed to being reactive because we are broken or something is severely wrong. Right. Yeah, that is so true. It's 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 the it's the men, the male mind is very wired for problem solving, and we're really mm-hmm. good. The problem is, most of our problems now are existential. Now, mm-hmm. if you if you're you know economically economically insecure or oppressed or person, and then that's a that's different. But if you're you know kind of the standard uh, middle class dude in the United States, most of your problems are existential. And, and so you apply, you apply problem solving to something that's not a problem. It'll just mm-hmm. make you crazy, mm-hmm. uh, crazier. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I think is men think you can think your way out of anxiety or depression. Right. right. I can just think my think I need to think differently. Mm-hmm. It's sort of true, but not the way they think that it is. Right. Um, I think that's a, a very common bias, but you're, um, palpative care, like mindset are broken. It's broke. I'm broken. I need to get this fixed. You're right. There are some kind the, the, the list of the, of the first zone, definitely. But that okay zone is also um, that I think if we were to take a survey of men between the ages, let's say of 35 and 55, they would view mental health as to fix a problem. And mm-hmm. right. my, I don't, uh, my, my relationship right. failing. I drink right. too much. Right. I, it's not, I, the mental health is, it, it's got the stigma that it's all problem mm-hmm. and some of it is, mm-hmm. but most of it's about opportunity, mm-hmm. like you said. And I think this, this um, remedial mindset that dudes have about it, I think that holds a lot of people back because men do not really, con- men, most men do not work on something until it stops working. Right. And so if, you know, the system they created to what their version of mental health is, is, you know, they, they, they golf every day or watch porn or whatever, you know, whatever they do to right. kind of regulate, 
leads to my other misconception is I think that people think that coping mechanisms is mental health. Mm-hmm. Coping mechanisms are usually evidence that you need some mental health work mm-hmm. because coping mechanisms are designed to keep your physical body alive. Mm-hmm. But we in modern America use them to keep a fake life alive. Mm-hmm. A life that we're, you know, we don't, we don't really like the person we're with. We don't like the job. We don't like the way we look naked. We don't yeah. like, you know, we don't like uh, how much money we have in our account or the car we drive. All of that is um, all. And then, so we use coping mechanisms. And if you were to just let, to be honest with yourself about the life you really want to have, mm-hmm. then mental health is about accomplishing something, not fixing something. Right. Yeah. And a lot of those things, these issues that we struggle with, I think um, there's a level of complacency as a whole among society and we get complacent with them, which breeds resentment. And then we turn to these coping mechanisms more, but you talked about this word thinking to solve problems. You can't think yourself into the right action, but you can act yourself into the right thinking. It is all about (laughs) taking fucking action. Now there's a number of different actions you can take, right? You can, you know, seek out support and therapy and medication, but there's also so many, Justin, diet, exercise, community and friendships, you know, building stronger relationships. Uh, There are so many things that we can do. Like for me, like, and we have this built into the app, but cold showers are kind of my training environment. So I happen to the cold shower and I'm just standing in there and trying to bear the cold. It's, I'm taking action and telling myself with positive self-talk as my stress is increased from the cold. Right. So it kicks in reflexively when, when, when stress kicks in in real life. Yes. So that is taking action. <laughs> yeah. And that is what I think is a bias around mental health where it's all something's wrong with you. You need therapy yeah. to fix it, which we'll talk more about. Cause I've, uh, again, strong, strong feelings about that. Uh, but yeah. also it's like those two things, thinking that something's wrong with us and thinking we can think our way out of it and then sitting down and talking, which can be a good avenue, but those don't aren't really like the action that men typically are designed to take. Yeah, totally, totally get that. And I think that um, one, of, one of the areas that men str- struggle with, oh, well, maybe it's men and women, but um, that this perception that it's, mental health as a problem to solve really mm-hmm. comes from the mental health industry. hundred percent. You know, you look 100%. at the that it's, pro- they want us to have America. that problem, right? It's what so I call, we can- yes. It's what I call monetized codependency mm-hmm. and consultants do it, you know, mm-hmm. too, uh, they, because if you fix the problem, they don't need you anymore. And your business right. doesn't work. I always thought the best consultant, political parties do it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. The best, the best helpers, and the best consultants and the best doctors work themselves out of a fucking job. That's right. The only exception to that would be coaches, like good coaches, because you can yeah. use because your life is always changing. For sure, exactly. But, but I think that is a big a big thing that is that you have to you have to unlearn what you think you know about mm-hmm. mental health as an industry mm-hmm. and understand that it does apply to a lot of like take a pill and feel better you know, mm-hmm. remedial and all that. And again, I'm not anti-medication at all. I'm on Wellbutrin and for sure. I, you know, so, which kind of leads to the last question. So this is kind of a different way of doing something on this podcast, but I want to mm-hmm. take a misconception and that we have that is out there. And as if you and I were talking to a dude, yep. you know, like we had an opportunity to talk to a guy about mental health and we want to create a paradigm shift. 
in them. What is the thing that, what is the perspective that needs to shift in order for them to see mental health in the proper light? Yeah. The, the first thing I would say is this notion of all men need therapy is completely toxic and fucking bullshit. Yes. We hear this time and t- there was a better help ad that just recently ran that kind of made us like at completely yeah. livid around women sitting around on a table and they're talking about men. And then, and then they're like, yeah, he seems really nice and like a keeper. And, and one of them says, but does he go to therapy? And she says, no. And then like dump him. He's yeah. I'm paraphrasing the ad, but you know, it's yeah. it, what a toxic fucking message we are putting out there into the world. You're telling me the only way that a woman will date a man yeah. is because he's done X amount of therapy. How about here's, here's, here are a couple of things about this therapy. And this, I would say this to a dude, right. And then we would pivot into, okay, now let's take action. Mm-hmm. Justin, by 2024, our country will be short between 15 to 30,000 therapists to meet the demand right now. 65% of therapists aren't accepting new patients. 60% of current therapists are 55 and older. We are not as more of those therapists retire. We are not adding more into the workforce. Over 70% of adults in need of mental health support either lack the funds or the insurance or access to get it. The average cost of one hour of therapy in this country is around $150. But you're telling me the only solution for men and their mental health is therapy? It's a toxic message, dude. Now, this is somebody who's, who's telling you that therapy and certain therapists have changed my life and have had a profound impact on me. I'm not anti-therapy. It is releasing society and everyone releasing from that message that therapy is the only option for men. Every single man needs therapy. And you think about this, it's, it's from a branding perspective, it's exploiting FUD, fear, uncertainty, Mm -hmm. and doubt is if I don't go to therapy, I'm not going to get laid. Right. And now there's statistics that prove that that is a bias that mm-hmm. I think it's, uh, and I don't know which of the dating apps, but it was, there was a 91% chance you would get matched with someone if you yeah. said you were in therapy yeah. and it, but, but think about this. How old are you? If I can ask you, look, if I still worked in Hollywood, I would tell you that I'm, you know, 29 <laughs> or 35, but uh, I'm uh, 37, 37. Okay. So this is an interesting generational difference. I'm 52. Mm-hmm. It was just a few years ago that, um, a guy would be like, I'm thinking about going to therapy. Like, ah, you don't need therapy. You just need to get laid or go on, right, go to Vegas right, or, right. you know, tough it out, coping, tough it out, tough it out or find a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. Now the pressure to go to therapy. And, and what I would say to people is related to this as, as a dude, especially that feels that pressure. It goes back to intentionality is what mm-hmm. are you trying to, what are you trying to accomplish? 100%. So here's, the, here's the deal. You break it down into kind of three chunks and then you pick your modality. The first is you have a mental health, let's call it disorder. You deal with bipolar disorder or you deal with uh, schizophrenia. You need to go to a professional. You're not going to rub colloidal silver on your balls and feel mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you need to go to a professional. It kind of goes to your, your first zone. Right. Danger zone. Yep. So, so mental health, um, mental health disorders. That's number one. Number two is unintegrated trauma. Now, if you're going to go to unintegrated trauma, going and talking to a traditional talk therapy is a waste of fucking time. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's, it's, it just doesn't work because right. you talk your way into trauma integration, you act your way into trauma integration. 
And so you you can find, you know, internal family systems therapists, most of them are trauma-informed. They're trauma-informed coaches now. Mm-hmm. There's there's uh, self-care books and plant medicine and things like that. But if that's the path you're going to go down, the right kind of therapy is an option. Mm-hmm. And then the third kind is peak performance. I just mm-hmm. want, like the reason um, Tom Brady had a mental co- coach and why well, right. Virginia is a mindset coach, primarily for high achievers, not for mm-hmm. people that don't have their shit together. Right. Um, and, and then again, that that's not really therapy. It, right. it, it's more spiritual than that. Like you, you would be better off in many ways of getting a coach or designing spiritual experiences that confront you with your fears or your biases or, 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 or whatever. And I think then when you start to break it down, it goes, it, therapy fits into that that age old statement that all systems are flawed. Some are useful. Right. And, and it's, and then you're coming at it from a place of intentionality. Yeah. And interestingly, intentionality is one of the first steps in liberating yourself from mental health issues. Yeah. Because you you return to the power to choose because that's, what's been taken from most people that have severe mental health issues. Their power to Mm -hmm. choose has been taken from them by violence or neglect or something like that. And if you get intentional and you're like, I own this shit, this is why I'm doing this. You're already on your way. And therapy is just going to be an enhancer. Um, yeah. The other, last thing I'll say about therapy, therapy is an additive, not a supplement. Right. Meaning you have to do your own fucking work. you got to do the meditation. Yeah, well, what are you doing in between <laughs> sessions? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and if you, if you, if you're fucking around for the week between sessions and then you go into therapy, nothing good's going to happen. Right. to you in between, you know, it'd be yeah. like hiring a personal trainer and then just slamming donuts and, and, uh, you know, uh, fried, yeah. you know, McDonald's big Macs or something all week, um, which sounds and, really good right now. <laughs> I know dude, after, after a month off sugar, I'm kind of like, you know what, maybe I could get down with some of that. You know, uh, I think, dude, I, I love everything that you're saying. I think, um, yeah. Uh, again, I want to, I want to make it very clear. Like this is not a message that I, or we, right. Our anti-therapy we've benefited from it. It's great. Like you said, it is, it is supplementary. It's what is the work that you are doing in between sessions or what is the other thing that you could be doing if therapy doesn't resonate with you? Because there's a lot of men who either don't want to try it. It doesn't resonate for them, but guess what? Men still make up over 80% of suicides. So something is wrong. Something yeah. is afoot. Therapy meditation and mindfulness have been around for a very, very long time, yet we still have not been making the dent in men's mental health. That's right. So we need to pivot. And back to your question about what would we talk to a dude in the bar if we're just chatting with them is what's an issue you got going on right now that's more specific? Because therapy is can be very, very, very abstract. And it's like, okay, well, what do you want to talk about today? It's like, I don't know. I'm good, right? Yeah. And not to like bring it back to the app, but this is why we we designed the app this way, right? So, we, and you use the word coach, which I love. So we have what's called clinical AI coaching, where when I ask a man, okay, well, what problem are you dealing with? You know what problem a lot of men are dealing with right now and everyone, but for men is screen time usage. Mm-hmm. So our first journey is called digital discipline. How can we get men, get to the root causes of why we have so much screen time and then get men to bring down their screen time. It's a very specific issue that's lasted over seven sessions and then like 10 to 15 minute sessions max. So men want to see this progress that's being made and have milestones along the way. And there's sort of like an end goal, right? Like 
why do, why, why do a lot of men like football? There's an end zone. You have right. to run the ball to a certain location and you know that you were successful. So I know this is a little bit more complicated than that, but that's just to paint the visual. But, and yeah, then but- say, you know, and then say, okay, where are you at with screen time? Is it at an eight or a nine? Let's get you to a four or five, yes. right? And having those expectations to meet men where they're at and not saying like, well, if you're out of 10, we got to get you to a zero. And the only way to do that is through therapy. I mean, come on. Yes. Yes. It, there is a, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with the term purity culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so What's purity that? culture comes out of evangelical communities of like you promise a purity ring. Where it's like nothing. You get rid of everything. Yeah. Yeah. You can only yeah, have cheese pizza. <laughs> no sin. Yeah. like No topics. But it's, yeah. Uh, primarily no being on top. Yes. It's, uh, it's primarily related to like sexual purity. Um, so, but there's an, wait, no, wait, no being it, on top with no being on top. You tell us to the woman or the man, what, what, that's, that's the thing that I have too way, many questions. I have way too many questions for purity culture. You know, that the way that the Lord wants you to have sex is with in the dark with your wife in missionary only to conceive fully so. clothed, <laughs> fully partially. Yeah. Just fully clothed. <laughs> Obviously, I'm joking, but anyway, my 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 point to that is that once ever when something becomes an industry, it has its puritans in it. Mm-hmm. So you see that with yoga, you see that with gun ownership, you see that with, um, and you see that with um, mental with mental health profession. It is an industry, but we need to remember that mm-hmm. it is an industry. Um, and what's what's interesting to me too about what you guys are doing with the app and is as I've played around with it a little bit is, you know, the male mind is about these sort of linear guide posts, chunking it out. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, you know, that's why hit training works so well for, um, for working out sometimes for men and especially men with ADHD. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, I seriously could talk to you for hours, but I need to go mostly because I have to go to the bathroom. So <laughs> that's a pretty that's a pretty good reason, dude. Uh, yeah. Dude, this was awesome, man. Thank you so much for asking me. I'm so glad we we were both able to carve out time to do this. Uh, uh, this shit's into, important to talk about, and yeah. and to do it in a fun, entertaining, engaging way that is not so like negative and dark. Like that's tend- right. what mental health tends to be. It's like we can we can right. we can uh, talk about serious shit and uh, maybe throw in a, a yeah. six a sex or a dick joke. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> So, yeah. all right, brother. Thank you. All right, Justin. Thanks, dude.